नमस्ते एवरीवन वेलकम टू द चार पॉडकास्ट होस्ट कुशल मेहरा ऑल राइट टूडेज पॉडकास्ट इज कॉल्ड पॉलिटिक्स इन कश्मीर पोस्ट आर्टिकल थ्री सेवेंटी नाउ सुनंदा हैड कम फ्यू months ago on the podcast and we were discussing uh, the kashmiri genocide denialism now a lot of things have changed in kashmir since then article 370 is gone and there have been a few interesting discussions that have been happening in the kashmir pol- kashmiri political landscape so i reached out to sunanda and she's been kind enough to agree so sunanda welcome back thank you so much always good to be back with you um, kushal you know it's it's wonderful to be talking here and being uh you know given space more than 30 seconds <laughs> yes <laughs> i i'll try my best to cut you off <laughs> it's a luxury to be able to speak more than 30 seconds so i am i am i feel privileged <laughs> okay sunanda fir chalu aise karte let us maybe get, get this so what what is it in terms of what how politics has been going on since let's say 2018 yeah what uh, do we see changes or things the more things change the more they remain the same what, what is your sense in terms of and when i say this in the political sense not in the social sense social sense humko pata hai magar political sense mein kya ho yeah so let me give you a little bit of uh, you know um, overview of what is going on before 2018 as you and the viewers might know is 2018 just to recap 2018 is when um pdp and bjp that um, alliance uh, that fell apart and um, the state was put under then governor's rule so this happened in june of 2018 and before this mufti mohammad said as everyone knows in the election before that nobody had won majority mufti mohammad said had a few more seats and um um national conference was uh, had won less seats than that they had uh, last time and um bjp had won um, a good number of seats in jammu so uh, the way it was going was that um pdp had more seats in kashmir valley and um, um bjp had more seats in uh, jammu so they formed an alliance us time pe everybody called it an alliance of north pole and south pole it indeed was i went public about my displeasure about it and i said i wrote about it and i said um uh, this is something that will not work just because of uh, who pdp is what they stand for and um, even if these two come together it would be very difficult to um, for two of them to work of course we had no idea then that there was um, what was coming up the you know um, abrogation of article uh, 370 and 35a so none of us knew what was going on so even though my assumption now and this is post facto my assumption now is and i am nobody will ever know but my thing is that bjp got into this alliance because they really wanted to understand the workings of the bureaucracy and the government and everything because bjp had never been in the power in um, it had always been out of power it had never been even um, you know a stakeholder anywhere so to be able to so i'm sure powers to be knew what was going on and they somehow knew that they had to get into the system so i think that agenda of alliance or whatever of which we were very very unhappy about at that time it was 
primarily an exercise to sort of get into the system so that when article 370 had to be revoked and um they would need uh, you know understanding of the state machinery to be able to um, you know execute that it was a huge thing to be executed so in retrospect um, one understands why that alliance had um, happened but politically it was a no brainer everyone knew that they were never going to run a government together in any case in 2018 bjp um, uh, you know walked out of the thing and um, uh, mehbooba uh, had to resign and who had come into power after her um, uh, father after her father had passed away so once that was done then from 2000 um, you know 18 to 2019 there was governor's rule and you know for six months and then president's rule um the way and then in 2000 august 5 2019 as everyone knows we had abrogation of 370 so a year and a half before abrogation of 370 there was no political process had come to a standstill and after that i think there was no intention of starting the political process um anytime soon after um, august 5th because the um uh, you know the um, i think the idea was that everything needs to settle down because once you come out of a major surgery then you need a lot of recuperation time so i think from august 2019 to this time it was a sort of recuperation time they were trying to work on um sort of normalizing everything so that people get used to that major shock that had happened um and once that is done now i think the political process is starting now before 2018 before the um, uh, you know this current process was stopped the political landscape of jammu and kashmir was and it was an oligarchical landscape it was a proper oligarchy the article 370 had ensured that jammu and kashmir becomes an oligarchy so the power was between really between two families it was either um, national conference by abdullahs or pdp uh, mufti mohammed said and pdp also came late into the game um, you know pdp was formed by mufti mohammed said who was a congressman for a long time and then he had joined janata dal and then he has been a he was a party hopper and then finally he started pdp and pdp's um uh, i think when pdp was sort of given a kind of um acceptance by then powers in delhi it was also to have a challenge to national conference because till then the power rested really in the family of abdullahs since um 1947 and even before that and they have been a very influential family in um kashmiri politics pdp at least gave a challenge to them was a challenge to their politics but pdp had its own problems pdp came pdp is a soft jihadi party it's a soft separatist party that was the place where it um uh, put itself in the um, landscape so they had to if they had to stand against national conference remember what the politics of um, jammu and kashmir was at that time jammu had been totally put out of jammu was not even in the part of political process and we'll talk about jammu when we come because their their issues need to be talked about separately but jammu and kashmir and ladakh at that point was always governed from kashmir's prism everything was about kashmir 
which I have a huge problem with. But anyway, that was changed. And these two political parties, they just played Coco um, and, um, you know, they were playing this, this game and there was really no chance for anybody to come in. After 2019, I think the government did try a lot that some other political parties should come up. Once the elections are held, then what have we achieved really, you know, these two people are, uh, they, say, they keep making noises about boycotting elections or something. But let me tell you on this podcast, nobody is going to, they are either going to fight themselves or they're going to fight through proxies, but they're not going to stay out of the power because they know there is no, once they um, don't fight elections, they'll be finished. So this, I think the government did try. So Apni Party came up. They were offshoots of um, uh, PDP. Um, Altaf Bukhari, who was in Mehbooba's um, Mukti, he formed a party. And But then for a long time, it seemed that nothing has really happened. Um, Sajad Lone, people, with People's Conference, who was a separatist before this, and then he tried to come into the mainstream. He tried to form a party, but then he also, you know, comes from a separatist um, viewpoint. So he has not been able to make much inroads either. He was in alliance with PDP, and then he had, um, you know, moved out. So it was, it was just running between three or four people, and then one didn't know what was going on. Till Gulam Nabi Azad did what he did and he and we'll talk about it in this thing what Gulam Nabi Azad's um, entry into JNK politics he's not a political heavyweight but his entry in politics is going to ruffle a lot of feathers and we can talk about it um, as we go ahead so that is the overview that's where we are fair enough fair enough okay so in terms of that uh, we've already uh, touched upon like uh, I guess what politics was before uh, Article 370. Mm-hmm. Now, um, like, let's get into a very specific uh, thing. Yeh reorganization of Jammu and Kashmir or Ladakh ke region. Ki. So uh, uh, has that reorganization had an impact of any sort as of now since the uh, removal of Article 370 and obviously wo 35? Jo tha. 35, huge, huge. I think Article 370 ka removal, of course, it was a big thing for everyone and it is important, but reorganization of the state is even more, you know, has far reaching impact. And I'll tell you why. On the day that Article 370 was um, abrogated and 35A was finished off, I remember I was I had just traveled from India and um, truth movement had already started. Somebody, some, somebody from the press called me that morning and said, this was me two hours before um, Amit Shah uh, announced it. And so I always tell people, take the, you know, political pundits, political pundits say a lot, but always, you know, um, try to um, take it with a grain of salt. That is not to say that what I'm saying today, they shouldn't listen, but they should. But I'm trying to tell you, hamari bhi limitations hain. So at that point, I thought it was not going to go I, because it was such a psychological thing for me also, having been raised, born and raised in Kashmir. I also had a psychological um, block. I said, no, 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 no government will be able to do it. 
but then of course they did it but what they also did was which no one had thought no one had article 370 even i had talked about it and there was something that we always knew at some point this should go away but reorganization but reorganization was i know the word master stroke is misused and abused and everything but it was truly a master stroke i wish i had a better way to say it it was truly a game changer if you will Ladakh, for the longest time, had been completely sidelined. So Jammu and Kashmir people also, these days when I start my presentations in um, universities or um, uh, educational institutions, I always tell people that you all have smartphones in front of you. Please open your phone and look at the map of Jammu and Kashmir. Jammu Kashmir ki history is important, hai, utni hi uske geography bhi hai. So when you look at the map of Jammu and Kashmir, you will know that for last 75 years, all we have been talking about is those little four districts in Kashmir Valley. And that has taken our, um, you know, entire focus is on those four districts of Kashmir Valley, where there is what I call Sunni terrorism going on, you know, Sunni backed Islamist terrorism going on. But JNK is not that. JNK is, is, you know, um, uh, there is a huge part of Ladakh, if you geographically look at the map, then the entire Jammu region and all that we were not talking about. We, if you look at the princely state of Jammu and Kashmir and that game, it was a huge state. It was not just the valley. And somehow the valley had the, these four or five districts that, that, were, um, that had been infested by terrorism. They had taken everybody for a ride and, you know, they had, uh, till now, they still try to blackmail us as if the other people don't even matter. So what was happening, another thing that people don't understand about uh, Jammu and Kashmir, A, about the, you know, one thing is the uh, geography and how um, Kashmir is a very small part of it. The other part is that most people think that Jammu and Kashmir is a Muslim dominated um, area and there are only Muslims there, which is true. There is, it is a Muslim dominated area, but then even amongst Muslims, JNK is a highly plural, multi-ethnic and multilingual entity. So the ethnic stock on the, it's very important that people understand this because when I talk about delimitation and everything, this will become important to the ethnic stock on the Indian, uh, on um, our side of Jammu and Kashmir, not the side that has been uh, illegally taken over by Pakistan, POK. We're talking about our Jammu and Kashmir. The ethnic stock of the Indian side is Dogras of Jammu, Punjabis who live in Jammu, Kashmiris, Gujars, Bakarwals, Ladakhis, Baltis. This is principally, I mean, there are many more, but these are these are some ethnic um, identities that are there. And then in POK, you find Punjabis, um, Pathan, Balti, Dardi, Shin, Yashkun, Mongol, Tajdik, Targik, some other Central Asian extraction that is part of POK. But on the other side of in Pakistan, no ethnic Kashmiris live in Pakistan. It is very important for people to understand Pakistan. No ethnic Kashmiris live in Pakistan. In POK, I've told you who they live, you know, the thing, and our side. So while we were forming policy for Jammu and Kashmir, all we were looking at was these the ethnic makeup and the linguistic makeup of these four states. That is why. 
in a state of jammu and kashmir i've just told you how many languages and how many ethnicities are there tell me kushal does it make sense to you that urdu was made the state language of jammu and kashmir no it clearly sounds like the pakistan model being applied there ha ah, nobody speaks urdu in kashmir nobody this is a war, fight that i'm fighting right now nobody speaks urdu in jammu and kashmir even muslims don't speak urdu in jammu and kashmir this is that language is as alien to them as um, uh, russian is alien to me yet just because somebody thought in 1947 that this is a muslim majority area and therefore um, urdu should be the um, you know state why state language so you know these kind of things dogri was not given the attention that it should have been even kashmiri was not given the attention then muslims in jammu and kashmir are not just muslims of jammu um, valley muslims live in jammu region also the you know the jamb region and all that you must have just seen that gulam ali of um gujar um uh, you know community was just um, sent to um, rajya sabha on the president's nomination by uh, you know um, um by narendra modi government and that is a huge thing people outside jammu and kashmir might not understand but the gujar bakarwal community the scst community these are the scheduled tribes communities of jammu and kashmir they were never given any representation so it is not just my community of kashmiri pandits who were not given a preview of course were never given any representation but there are other minorities also who were never given any representation um, uh, people of pojk who had come in um, hindus from pakistan who had come in refugees of um, west pakistan they were never given any representation even though they had made kashmir home for 75 years and then valmiki samaj people who were brought from um, uh, you know uh, punjab at that time in uh, maharaja's time they were not given that dreaded um, state certificate uh, you know um, uh, state uh, subject which determined that you were remember before um, article 370 uh, was abrogated we all had dual citizenships so we had a state subject a certificate which told us that you are subject of jnk and then of course we had indian citizenship and just nonsense but even to get that state subject you to in order to get a job in jammu and kashmir you had to have that state subject and those valmiki samaj and all these people who had made kashmir home for jammu home for 75 years they never had that state subject they could not apply they were not part of they were not mainstreamed there was no representations of scheduled caste and scheduled tribes none zero the progressive laws of jammu and kashmir that of india that applied to india did not apply to jammu and kashmir we all know that so all that was going on so i i need people um, your you have a very discerning audience and people who the reason they are here is because they don't want to do that 30 second um, thing on um, prime time tv so i want them to understand that it is not kashmir is not just a muslim muslim state there are other identities there the other ethnicity is there and all these ethnicities they also need representation it's not fair it's not a democ- democracy until all these people are given um, representation so that is that is that um, uh, you know about the reorganize so what happened was coming back to reorganization ladakh was taken out which is which was their long standing demand i mean ladakhis need to be able to govern themselves why should somebody sitting in srinagar govern ladakh 
Srinagar se to, I mean, there is nothing in common. It's too far away. Even, you know, um, if you're traveling by road, there is, it's, it doesn't make sense that why should the problems of um, Ladakh be solved by people in um, Srinagar or Jammu or even Delhi? So they needed their own union territory status. So this was a much pending demand. I'm glad they got it. So that went out. And then Jammu and Kashmir now stayed. So they are a, they are a unit, um, a union territory. What this did was finally for the first time, I think India or even Delhi um, awoke to the fact that the governance cannot be just from um, Kashmir prism. Just because there is terrorism, chal raha hai, that does not mean they will put a gun to your head and say, and you will keep pumping money in Kashmir, which is what used to happen before 2014. The status quo in all Jammu and Kashmir policy was maintaining status quo. Status quo ka matlab ye hota tha ki, somehow we have to keep Kashmir with us. So all that we'll do is we'll keep pumping money. So these used to be called financial packages. If you remember politics of JNK before 2019, all that used to be done, even Manmohan Singh's time, before that, financial packages signed Kashmir. So this was a way to tell them, okay, we're giving you some more money now. Just, 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 just calm down, calm down. We're giving you some more money. That is essentially what it was. So with the result, a lot of development, you know, a lot of money went into the pockets of, these people but due to some public pressure Jammu stayed out of the development paradigm completely so long before Jammu got the medical school long before Jammu got engineering school long before Jammu got any kind of other um, Kashmir already had that the development in Kashmir had already started because it was all Kashmir centric you know reform Kashmir centric development Kashmir centric thing so after 2014, and I am I'm looking at, I look at Kashmir very, very carefully, the present dispensation, the present um, rule under LG Manoj Sinha, one thing I tell everyone, and when I see his, his tenure, I say, you can blame him for a million things, but you cannot, you have to give him credit for looking at Kashmir and um, Jammu with parity. Even during COVID, if you see how it was happened, if there were um, uh, two um, oxygen tanks going to Kashmir, there were two oxygen tanks going to Jammu. If there was this going to Kashmir, there was two. So it, it gave a sense of, you know, semblance, some sense of parity. Of course, Jammu has been nursing grudge for last 75 years that we have been treated, we've been given stepmotherly treatment. That will not go away with just two years. That it will take a long time for them to come out of that. And it is it is a reasonable grudge. I, I do not hold it against them. But at least we have started this process now where we are thinking about Jammu. Another thing that has happened is, and we will talk about once we get to the delimitation part of it, and I will tell you how the seeds have been um, distributed and everything. One thing that has happened is the politics for the first time in Jammu and Kashmir is now centered in Jammu. Kashmir is a little bit freeze, hai, but Jammu mein, there is a lot of ruffles going on because somehow it seems that it will jump it is jammu that will decide who will be the chief minister it is jammu who will decide that which party really gains it's jammu that will decide the narratives of the election when they happen 
So Jammu has been brought into the forefront. So that is what has happened because of this reorganization. And that is why it was important that reorganization was done so that Jammu also gets, you know, feels that it is part of JNK and doesn't have to suffer for um, Kashmir's um, blackmail. ओके सो अभी सेकंड सबसे इंपॉर्टेंट पॉइंट है कि ये डीलिमिटेशन व्हाट इज दिस डीलिमिटेशन प्रोसेस एंड एंड ऑनेस्टली आई डोंट नो हाउ टू सेट वाज इट इवन नेसेसरी एंड व्हाट इज प्रोबेबली गोइंग टू कम आउट ऑफ दिस प्रोसेस ओके सो थोड़ा सा बैकग्राउंड देना जरूरी है कुशाल uh what happened after article 370 people thought that article 370 ho gaya but remember that was just a constitutional provision usko to hata diya that that those shackles went away but after that there had to be series of reforms that had to be done in order for jammu and kashmir to become part of mainstream india and article 370 was just the beginning of those reforms what happens in india is that people just look at um headlines and they don't have patience for everything that is going on and governance as you know is is not um, quote unquote sexy you know um um political reforms that have to be brought by a lot of um effort and things they they don't get the headlines they really should be should be getting but ever since article 370 was abrogated every single day in jammu and kashmir things are changing things are being a, a tiny reforms a big reform a major reform all these reforms are being uh, you know uh, rolled out two major reforms that happened was right after article 370 was domicile laws i wrote a long essay about it and i will send you the link and if your viewers are interested they can read that essay but i will just give a um Uh, you know um, a brief sense of what those domicile laws were the reason i'm telling you about domicile laws is because it's only then you will be able to understand um what um, you know delimitation really was so the a lot of people thought that new domicile law it means that we are bringing um, a 370 by back, back door so a lot of um, uh, criticism from the right left se kata hai from the right also came to the government that they are bringing this domicile law if you have opens jammu and kashmir for everybody then why do you need this domicile law so the point was and what these people they 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 sort of didn't understand at that point was that jammu and kashmir lived under the tyranny of that permanent resident certificate or uh, state subject you know that i was telling you a little uh, while ago these certificates were so hard to come by and they were required for everyone that the oppressive state bureaucracy made it so difficult that you had to grease so many palms go through so many rounds of sifarish i know because my mother did it to get one for me that how hard it was to get it was literally tyranny and this process was totally out of reach for ordinary people and then this prc was also available only for natives of jammu and kashmir the state as we know was shut out for um, uh, outsiders now jammu and kashmir domicile certificate this domicile law it corrects that historical law so 
one nation under one constitution ensures that anyone can live in Jammu and Kashmir and become a domicile. This is a question. This is a point that people forget. Before this domicile law, you could not, um, I mean, before article uh, application of Article 370, if you were a Kashmiri, if you were a native Kashmiri, you were a native Kashmiri, that is all. But if you, Kushal Mehra, if you went to Kashmir and lived there for 25 years, you would still not become a domicile. You would not still not be part of the process there. But what this um, domicile was done, it increased the categories of people that can now become natives. So what were these categories? So besides um, erstwhile um, natives or who had the um, uh, state subject, now anyone who had resided in JNK for 15 years and their children, any person who has studied in JNK for seven years and appeared in 10th grade or 12th grade examination is now a, a domicile. Kashmiri Hindus who had officially become, um, I, I wish that nomenclature also changes, but in the government, this thing migrant, but in reality, refugees in their own uh, country, they were all granted domicile. Yes, they were all eligible for state subjects earlier too. They did have state subjects, but this new law opened doors for those who had migrated since 1944 to become domicile. So it increased the number of people, number of stakeholders in Kashmir. This is very important. Remember before um, 1990 is not the only time in our last podcast we, we talked about the series of persecution you know that um, it's a continual genocide as we call it so since 1944 people have been moving out from Kashmiris Kashmir Hindus have been moving out that is how we became came to be a population of two percent so uh, this so now since 1944 people who had left who did not have prc or this um, state subject they also became a domicile it was fair to them because they also had roots in kashmir this corrected a historical um, um, burden and then children of central government officials who had served in jammu and kashmir for 10 years were eligible for a domicile again what i was talking to you about west pakistan refugees then Safai Karamcharis, who had brought other parts of India, they were given the dignity of, uh, you know, domicile, and then now they can climb the social ladder. Now they can participate in the political process. So then, why was uh, the criticism from the right happened? That you, you know, you took out this um, um, domicile law, but then you also made. Um, a 15 year thing 15 year um uh, clause there why 15 years so i always tell them that it was for the benefit of those people who had just become um uh, you know citizens of jnk so to speak domiciles they said that you've just opened kashmir to everyone and if you open jobs state jobs for everyone we will all again become um we will again not have the priority we've not had priority for 75 years and now we will again not have the priority so keep that 15 year clause so that you know we also come up you know we also try to benefit from this for a few years and then of course now it is not you don't need a constitutional amendment it can be changed anytime it is a uh, executive decision now anytime this 15 year thing can be changed it can be made from 15 every state has a domicile um, uh, thing requirement by the way so 
um, you can make it anywhere between 15 years to one year or two years, depending on the government at that time it changed. What is important to understand is that you don't need a constitutional amendment now to do it, which was the important thing for uh, before that. So once you have increased these categories now, now you have increased, all these people have come in. Now it was important. The next reform needed to be done, which was delimitation. So what is delimitation really? Delimitation is just, you know, redrawing the um, electoral boundaries of assembly seats and um, uh, Lok Sabha and uh, Vidhan Sabha seats. So this was now that the state had been um, reorganized, new people had been brought into the electoral process. The, um, uh, you know, uh, these people also had to be accounted in the population. So all this needed uh, another kind of reform, which was um, a delimitation. Because what happened was in the, after the Reorganization Act of 2019, this increased the number of seats in the assembly. So erstwhile JNK state had 101 seats, 46 in Kashmir, 37 in Jammu, 4 in Ladakh, and 24 seats were reserved for Pakistan-occupied Kashmir, which is a symbolic thing. We don't use it. It is just a way to say that uh, POK is part of India and we reserve these seats for them. Once, um, uh, you know, POK, we're able to get them back, those 24 seats are for them. So this, 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 division 46 in Kashmir 37 in Jammu this was done according to Jammu and Kashmir representation of people act 1957 after that now 2019 happened delimitation commission was set up on 6th March 2020 it was headed by a retired Supreme Court Justice um, Ranjana Prakash Desai then it had chief election commissioner and JNK's chief electoral officers as members and JNK's five MPs were including Farooq Abdullah was changed uh, was made associate members so everything was done in consultation with them uh, let the now what has happened is the commission has increased it has already been notified so it is uh, in process now um, commission has increased seven assembly seats six in Jammu so now Jammu has 43 seats from, remember it had 37 earlier. So Jammu now has 43 seats and Kashmir, which had 46 earlier, now has 47 seats. And it has also made massive changes in the structure of existing assembly seats. So there are five parliamentary constitutions in the um, region. So delimitation uh, commission has seen the Jammu and Kashmir region as one single union territory. It does not think of Jammu as a separate unit and a Kashmir as a separate unit. Therefore, that is what has been kept in mind when it has redrawn the boundaries of two assembly seats, Anantanang and Jammu. So Jammu's Pir Panjal region that, that comprises Punch and Rajori district now, and um, the Jammu's uh, region, Punch and Rajori, which was part of Jammu uh, in the Pir Panjal region, is now added to Anantanag seat in Kashmir. This was 
they have been able to do this, as I said, because they now look at union territory as one unit and not as two different units. Also, um, an interesting thing I just came across when I was reading, um, uh, you know, about the delimitation, the Shia-dominated region of Srinagar parliamentary constituency has been transferred to Baramulla constituency. Those who understand the fault lines of Jammu and Kashmir, those who understand that, um, remember when I talked about Sunni, supported terrorism, they will understand why it was important that this Shia dominated region of Srinagar is, you know, is also moved out because um, they also need to have a voice. Then um, the commission has recommended and it says um, two members from the community of, and I am quoting from this, it says Kashmiri migrants, the word I completely detest, I hate, I hope it has changed. Um, nobody should be called a migrant. But I'm thinking that this is meant for Kashmiri pundits. It does not say the word pundits. It says Kashmiri migrants. So there is a lot of confusion about this because six also moved out and um, some Muslims may have also moved out because of terrorism. So when you say Kashmiri migrants, then is it really two members of uh, Kashmiri pundit, um, uh, you know, um, society? The common understanding is that it is Kashmiri Pandits who will be, um, you know, two members, uh, two um, selected members. They don't have to go through the election as legislative assembly, but um, government hasn't given any clear understanding of what it is. I think when elections are finally announced, then we'll probably get, um, you know, we'll understand what that means. Um, the now scheduled tribes. So total nine seats were reserved for scheduled tribes for the first time in Jammu and Kashmir. Understand that in Jammu and Kashmir, scheduled, there were no seats ever reserved for scheduled tribes and scheduled um, castes. There were no reserved constituencies. How secular and open-minded. Exactly. Very secular. Remember that, no, I, I keep saying that all progressive laws of India in the Indian constitution never apply to Jammu and Kashmir. And so-called liberals never said a word. Never said a word that why is it that the progressive laws, whatever progressive laws we have in the constitution, why do they not apply to Jammu and Kashmir? They never answered that question. And that is why I always say that abrogation of Article 370 is a restoration of human rights and not taking away of human rights. Because that is what if you read, um, um, you know, Washington Post and <laughs> New York Times, they will tell you that and all, uh, you know, um, Human rights, it's an infringement of human rights, but it is actually a restoration of human rights. So this delimitation was done on the basis of 2011 census, and which means that 40, the, the way it is that 44% of the population in Jammu will vote for 48% of seats, and while 56% living in Kashmir will vote for remaining 52% um, seats. The reason this was done, usually delimitation is only done according to the population. But Jammu and Kashmir, known for its topography and known for its difficult terrain, that was also kept in mind that, you know, uh, people who live in far flung areas, population but they also need representation. So that is why 
it was important that when you see a little this thing somebody will tell you oh but there is uh, there are more people in uh, kashmir how come jammu has more seats but you also have to understand that um, you know uh, population is not always the best thing to do delimitation in jammu and kashmir because of its topography and everyone needs to have a representation so that is your delimitation seat now this so it had to come in three stages it had to come in domicile law which i explained what it was then i explained to you what delimitation is next reform according to what home minister had promised on the floor of parliament that day is restoration of statehood up uh, the question always was will the elections happen before restoration of statehood or after restoration of statehood so this has been a million dollar question that has been part of jammu and kashmir politics since 2019 everyone was confused although the um government had always been clear about the chronology they said we will do the domicile law then we will do um, a delimitation and which they have already done uske baad uh, you know we'll talk about statehood although election ka um, the timing is still um, nobody knows my sense and my sources tell me that elections and i can say it on your uh, show today that elections are not going to happen this year or next year i think elections are going to happen in 2024 that is my sense and i can put my um, you know word out there i think elections are going to happen um along with general elections somehow and because it's going to take that much time for everything to get together so my sense is elections will happen somewhere close to 2024 and statehood will be restored before that that is my sense but that is not what i that is that is my um assessment as a political analyst it is not obviously nobody has ever said anything about that i kind of understand where you're coming from because let's be very real you know i i sometimes find it funny where people say BJP is playing politics. अरे पोलिटिकल पार्टी पॉलिटिक्स नहीं खेलेगी तो और क्या खेलेगी भैया जैसे जैसे कि कांग्रेस और बाकी लोग पॉलिटिक्स नहीं खेलते वो लोग तो ऐसे एकदम प्रिंसिपल लोग हैं ऐसे एकदम ऐसे करके घूमते बीजेपी इज गोइंग टू प्ले पॉलिटिक्स एंड एक्सपेक्टिंग एनीथिंग एल्स आउट ऑफ द बीजेपी इज इज नाइव एट बेस्ट एंड आई हंड्रेड परसेंट एग्री विथ यू दे विल ट्राई टू मिल्क दिस एज मच एज पॉसिबल ओके नाउ अबाउट दिस लेटेस्ट फैड और वट एवर इट इज i don't understand so how does azad's reentry into the state politics change anything or matlab kya expect kar sakte hai ki kuch hone bhi wala hai ki bas ek aur aa gaye hain bas so azad ka pay on face value it seems more of same so let me give you a bit of thing about azad because i've been watching television commentary after azad resigned and uh, they they've been saying the word they use is kadawar neta and uh, you know one of and you know my joke was that if azad is kadawar neta i am helen of troy honestly i mean <laughs> um, at at best azad has been has worked has been part of congress from the beginning i uh, admit that but he has really been associated with sanjay gandhi he worked at the pleasure of sanjay gandhi and after that indira gandhi so he was he was a family confidant he was someone who benefited from his proximity to family he was never a uh, you know as people say he, he never won elections on his own really he has never won an election in jammu and kashmir by the way never he stood for elections twice he has never won elections in jammu and kashmir two um state elections that he won were in maharashtra 
एंड वो भी जब कांग्रेस किसी को भी जितवा सकती थी यू नो इलेक्शंस डोंट मीन एनीथिंग सो ही इज नॉट रियली योर ग्रास रूट नेता ही इज नॉट दैट काइंड वॉट ही इज इज बट एंड वाई दिस इज सिग्निफिकेंट इज दैट आजाद इज ही इज फ्रॉम जम्मू रीजन understand what that means i have i have told you about the parity and everything he is a muslim from jammu region he is not from uh, a valley so valley muslims they might be okay with him and they might not say anything but they are not very happy with him they don't consider him one of his own azad is married to a kashmiri uh, muslim woman from valley but he himself is from doda he is not he is from the jammu region he became the chief minister once when congress and <coughs> pdp had an alliance what goes in favor of azad is that he is one of those people who do not who are very who work with personal goodwill not because they have any uh, great ideas in mind or not because they want to disrupt the status quo not because they have ever done anything like that but they have personal goodwill you know कुछ और को मैं जानता हूँ इसको मैं जानता हूँ उसको मैं जानता हूँ सो यू नो यू रन विदाइस गुडविलो if you're just existing there you're not offending anyone and he speaks nicely he's not he's not rude he's not he will not do any um uh, dog whistling that to say and he has never been close to jihadi elements kashmir ki problem ye rahi hai that all parties all mainstream parties that have emanated from kashmir whether it is national conference whether it is um, um pdp of course then people's conference led by sajad bhai whatever they tell you they have always had some kind of association or some kind of conversation or some kind of understanding with huriyat and jihadis i i i say this on record pdp for sure and pdp came into the wing pdp um, i always call pdp a political wing of uh, jihadis but um, national conference also they had um, that's how they used to govern um, there's no question azad because he was never in kashmir for most part of his life and because he's from dora so there's a different mindset so he has not been part of that jihadi nexus at all in 2005 when he was sent by sonia gandhi to become the chief minister he was a selected chief minister at that point so he um ran the government with goodwill he made you know he 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 never offended anyone um but at the same time he didn't do anything out of ordinary as well but here is what here is why i think uh all political parties including bjp they're kind of happy with um, azad's entry there because a they feel that jammu muslims will have somebody to rally behind they don't necessarily if they don't want to go with bjp at least they have somebody to rally behind which is not necessarily national conference and pdp do you understand what i'm saying when he forms the party jammu muslims also have a representation they have somebody to vote for they don't necessarily have to vote for 
value-based parties. So that automatically gets, um, uh, you know, um, narrows value-based parties to the value only. They don't have, a, they, they will have a challenge outside. They will have a challenge because Jammu maybe, Jammu region maybe, there are only four Hindu-dominated districts. Everything else is, um, you know, a fairly um, large Muslim population. So I think that a that that changes. Second thing that changes is that um, the ordinary Jammu person is not very. They may not be the far right in Jammu. Jammu far right has come up actually now. Uh, I do hear of this Ekjut party and all that who talk about Jammu and separate statehood for Jammu and all that. So barring that constituency, the center in Jammu and uh, Jammu city and all that. I mean, they might be open towards um, Azad's candidature because no one else is coming up. So this might change the equation. So how how many uh, seats Azad gets is not important. How many seats, how he divides the seats, that is important. So it's a wild card, really, that has been thrown out. And I think the reason he has been, um, nothing happens without, um, things don't conjure up in politics. You have to be very naive to understand that you wake up one day and you decide to do things. You know, people think about their, Azad is 73 years old and it's not just that he woke up one day and he said, Achha, chalo, Kashmir, so he must have thought about this whole thing. I'm sure he had had consultations and I think his mandate is that um, he's already said that 370 cannot be, you cannot get 370 back. He announced it. In a, uh, it's huge. He announced it in, um, I think it was in Anantanag in an assembly, where he said that I'm, I want to tell people of Jammu and Kashmir that listen, 370 is not going to come back. We're not going to have it. We don't have the numbers for it. So now let us focus on other things. So that changed the narrative now. That changes the narrative. So that is because state-based parties have always said that we are fighting for 372. I mean, everybody knows that's not going to happen anymore. They will never have the numbers. But they've still been running that agenda. Now Azad comes and says, 370, I'm going to talk to you clearly. 370 is not going to happen. Um, but we can fight for statehood. And we can fight for um, more representation and all that, whatever he talks about. So that is one huge change in narrative now in um, Kashmir. Another um, thing um, in Kashmir is that I think Farooq Abdullah has very good personal relationship with um, um, uh, Azad. Don't be surprised, don't be surprised if you see a government um, with National Conference and Azad. I don't know. I'm just telling you that permutation combination is combination is possible. PDP, I don't think Azad will go now because he has had bitter experience with them. He was with PDP when he was a Congress Chief Minister and then they, um, uh, you know, the alliance broke off because Mufti Sayyid um, backed away after Amarnath agitation. So um, when I'm looking at it from the analyst point of view, I don't see See, I, I see a possibility of Azad and National Conference coming together with Azad as Chief Minister. That is a possibility. 
and uh, BJP as the largest, single largest party in Kashmir. That is one possibility um, because I, I do think that BJP now has, BJP state unit also has competition in Jammu now because Azad, as I told you, is like this goodwill guy. People might just vote for him. And if I'm really upset with um, a BJP right now, a Hindu constituency is upset with a BJP now, they will say, okay, I'll go and vote for them. So BJP also has a challenge in Jammu, not in Kashmir, but in Jammu, they have a challenge. So I keep saying that watch out for politics in Jammu this time, because that is what is going to determine um, where the next five years will be. But is Azad future of Jammu in Kashmir? No. Because Azad is 73 years old. I have heard from reliable sources that he is not in the best of his health. He's doing well, but he is not in the best of his health. So I'm thinking this is a stopgap arrangement now. If he really does become the chief minister, it is for about five years, maybe. And um, after that, maybe that is the time um, Everybody's thinking that, you know, maybe some new parties will come up or something will happen. But as of now, there are no new faces. Uh, there are old faces and, um, you know, Azad has um, come up as a new face, as a new old face. So that's where our politics is right now in uh, Jammu and Kashmir. But uh, there's a high possibility of Azad coming as chief minister. Very high possibility of Azad coming in as chief minister. BJP or Azad ki other party ko enough seats will just at Mr. Carbonale Kuchni Bolsakte politics may other PDP as a Jasaki BJP to in case at Kunijasaki. It's a politics of uh, you know impossible with a hoi saktahe, but I think pre poll alliance nahi hoga. I don't think Azad will go with pre poll alliance with BJP. That is not a uh, you know that is not on the cards. I don't think Azad will join BJP and BJP because that will be then then that completely takes away the reason he is in Jammu and Kashmir. That will be a political suicide for him. He will not do that. Post election, kya hota hai? We don't know. Depends on how well uh, BJP does. Um, but yes, that is on the cards. They can do an alliance, post poll alliance they can do, or they can do it with national conference. We'll see. Depending on how they do in the election, we are still, as I said, I do not see elections happening before 2024. So there are there is a good 18 months. Yeah, but you know what it says a lot about Jammu and Kashmir, Kashmir politics, especially that no new leadership of any aplomb comes up. We hamesha rehashed, refurbished old wine in a new bottle. Her time key is the story. But before we start taking audience questions, I think it's only fair that uh, we talk a little bit about uh, Jammu. Then how? What do you think is uh, uh, Jammu in this entire picture? I mean, how do you think? Uh, uh, how, how is the politics there different in the sense? I mean, obviously, you know, I've had uh, Manu come on the podcast and um, talk about how Jammu and the citizens of Jammu actually genuinely feel alienated at times because of the nauseating grip of Kashmir uh, and, and a very small region of Kashmir basically taking a disproportionate uh, sense of uh, attention when it comes to this entire uh, political uh, mishmash that that exists over there so what do you see the future of jammu then uh jammu is at a very interesting position today very interesting position i think jammu finally gets a say in the politics of jammu and kashmir i mean the day azad went to kashmir azad announced his i wrote on my i wrote a huge um uh, um, you know, thread on my Twitter, I said, watch out for Jammu. 
because jammu mein real thawing of politics is happening real defreeze is happening in jammu jammu mein last 2 3 years mein kya hua hai na ki a far right party has come up a far right constituency which always existed has come up so there is this ikjut jammu that has come up that is um, being led by ankur sharma he is getting some um, you know um, some traction he talks about dogar pride he talks about dogra pride he talks about the erstwhile maharaja of kashmir he looks back to that lineage and he says listen we are the erstwhile people of jammu and kashmir we are you know uh, we are the legacy of uh, maharaja we need to we need to get more respect we need to have more uh, um, you know um, say in the state politics and there is a constituency that is kind of you know liking that position now this is the position that bjp usually used to take in jammu uh, that jammu needs to get the representation but somehow because bjp has been in power and everything so uh, that, that little thing has been taken away by um, far right so there i i see a tussle between far right and uh, bjp it could also happen that this far right completely um, dissolves in uh, bjp don't rule that out for this election at least because they don't have the thing so they will act as a pressure point for a little bit and then they will dissolve in bjp that is there's a very strong possibility of that happening um, um, and then there will be nc and there will be azad's party so really the election in jammu is going to be pdp doesn't have much um, i think it's going to get um totally voted out in jammu so national conference believe it or not still has some areas of influence and then there will be azad's new party the name of which we do not know yet and um then there will be um either bjp and this far right together or fighting for the same uh, piece of um, uh, pie but i think jammu has finally reached a stage where it is forcing new delhi to look at it and where it's forcing new delhi to say that uh, you know you have to look at our um, um, uh, you know our aspirations as well and that is how it is going to determine the next uh, course of events don't be surprised if you see a jammu based chief minister i'm not saying a hindu chief minister yet but a chief minister from jammu region because azad is from jammu uh he's not a hindu but he is thing and this may pave in way for the new delimitation and the thing if it paves in a way for a new hindu chief minister of jammu and kashmir later i don't know that is also a possibility but the fulcrum of politics has moved from kashmir to jammu now good so so this is naturally going to be my final question before i start taking uh, the viewers question so so what do you, if i was to tell you to look at a crystal ball metaphorically so how's the future looking in your eyes uh, will the this the these elections whenever they happen and restoration of statehood bring about do you think any sense of political normalcy in the jammu and kashmir region yes see um what has been india's biggest biggest stake on the um, global stage pakistan has never been able to say that the land piece of kashmir that they illegally hold that they do free and fair elections there 
and they have not changed the demography of the state. They have changed POK. Has, the demography of POK has been changed. Gilgit Baltistan has been taken away, and they've done all kinds of um, shenanigans there. So POK is not really happy with that. But what was India's big thing? That listen, we may have had hiccups in Kashmir, but by and large, I know there have been people, your audience, this is a discerning audience, and they know everything they will talk about, election rigging and all that. Yes, there have been many elections that have been rigged in Jammu and Kashmir. But by and, by, by and large, we have had three, four elections that have been totally, that no one, not even the detractors, not even the jihadis can say that um, these elections were rigged. Um, Atal Bihari Vajpayee, when he did the election in Jammu and Kashmir, it was a fairly um, uh, free and fair election, which everyone said. Now, um, the recent um, two or three elections that have happened have also been free and fair, uh, including the um, recently concluded those DDC, those local body elections. Even those, not one person has said, not even one person from JNK has said that these were rigged or um, these were things. So, so having conducting free and fair election which is the basic thing of any democracy has been a big thing for india so it is very important that i think narendra modi at one point he does not want to leave office without an election in jammu and kashmir i don't think he will do that he really wants to the man who is um, who thinks about his legacy and who thinks about future, I am sure he wants to have an election on his watch, a free and fair election on his watch. And that is what this is leading to. So um, future, I think, is bright for uh, Jammu and Kashmir. Terrorism has gone. We haven't talked about terrorism today. That was not the mandate of this thing. But terrorism has gone down. What has the real problem, I will just touch on it really briefly, is that a new kind of problem has come up in, in security apparatus. So security level is a problem. Although, um, um, you know, terrorism numbers have gone down and we don't see as many people dying. Of uh, You don't see street violence anymore. That's important. You don't see street violence anymore. Even after, after 2019, you've not seen any stone Painting, for example, you've not seen any um, uh, people engaging in fights on streets. You've not seen that. But what you have seen is the rise of lone wolf kind of attacks. And that is why um, these targeted attacks, and that's why you must have heard about um, Rahul Bhatt and all these Kashmir Pandits and, um, you know, uh, people from minority communities or um, laborers who come to work in Kashmir, they have been attacked. So there is this lone wolf attack, which people are calling, which people who understand the security um, uh, paradigm of Kashmir, they call it low, they call it hybrid terrorism. So what happens is that they don't have proper terrorists on their uh, uh, Regular terrorists don't carry out these attacks. Terrorists who live in jungles and don't live in this. These are regular people who live amongst people. And 16, 17-year-old boys, they give them pistols. They do the recce. They tell them exactly this person is working in this school. They go at this point, go shoot the person. And they shoot the person and they come back. That is the attacks that have happened. So this way, it's a little bit of fear. Because you don't know if you're safe. You don't know if the person living in next home has been given a the kid in the next home has been given a pistol to shoot you you don't know that so that security challenge exists and that is why there is uh, that so that that you know um, our um, um, army and the security and is more than capable of handling it it is a challenge right now no question but i think it will be handled um, uh, sooner or later so that challenge remains but 
overall, as far as political process is concerned, I think once the elections happen and, um, um, you know, the noisy democracy returns, there'll be a lot of shuffling, there'll be a lot of talking, there'll be a lot of things, but people will find their place. People will find their place. The only people who are going to have to work a little harder is Kashmiri Pandits, because I feel their voice still remains not heard in the sense that they've been asking for uh, further reorganization of Kashmir, a separate homeland where they think as genocide victims, they deserve to have a, um, a, a, what they call, um, what Pan Kashmir calls, uh, the nodal organization calls a geopolitical foothold in Kashmir, where from lower bureaucracy to the entire state missionary, you know, it is being organized, it is being controlled by, uh, uh, you know, nationalist forces, so to speak, and they will have something. So that question needs to be settled still. Um, that how is the how, how, how are we going to plan the rehabilitation of uh, Kashmiri Pandits? But overall, I am an optimist and I see some very good things happening in Kashmir. I, um, I see India in a much, much stronger position than it has ever been on Kashmir. And I think um, challenges will remain, but we are in a strong position. Fair enough. Okay. Now I'm going to start taking uh, two, three questions here. So I'm going to start with this. I do not know. So this viewer is watching this. I do not know anything about Kashmiri politics. Can Sunandaji recommend a book then from off after this podcast, which I can read about the whole political history of Kashmir uh, since 1947? Yeah. Um, yes. And I can, what I can do is there is a bunch of books I can send it to you, Kushal, and then um, you can um, uh, sort of put it up in your uh, podcast or wherever you do, or I can put it up. I have a list somewhere that I always recommend to people that uh, they should be reading. But uh, one book everyone should read, and I recommend this right now, is um, Jagmohan's My Frozen Turbulence. If you need to understand the politics of Jammu and Kashmir, if you need to understand the past and present of Jammu and Kashmir, please read My Frozen Turbulence of um, uh, Jagmohan, the former governor of Jammu and Kashmir who passed away. He had a very strong sense of what was going in Kashmir, including its civilizational um, background and where it is and the present politics. He, he worked very closely with um, Mukti Mawad and um, um, Farooq Abdullah, so he understands the psyche. So that is one book of the record I would say, please go ahead and read. My Frozen Turbulence by Jagmohan. Fair enough. The next question is, I think, more, more a question and exasperation, I guess, both. So the viewer says, both BJP and Congress keep on stressing about bringing back POK to India, but based on my interactions with people from Muzaffarabad, Mirpur side, they're highly radicalized and believe in the same Islamism akin to their Pakistani counterparts. My question is, why should we run after a land infested with radical Islamists? Fair question. Um, this also is, first of all, India's position is that POK is our land. Pakistan literally, literally stole it from us. I mean, um, uh, during the... 1947 war for Kashmir. So it is our land. A sovereign nation never gives, never ever gives up 
its exercise on the other land. We're not going to do that till the border situation. Remember, our borders are also not um, uh, so resolved. So we don't have an international border. There's LOC, which is in a um, state of, um, which is the current state line of control, which is what uh, it's not an international border at the moment. So a no sovereign nation ever gives up its right on its own land. It cannot do that. So um, no Indian government will ever say that we don't want POK back. I mean, it will be, it will, um, it is a sure, short recipe for political suicide. So no government will ever say that because we do need, you know, uh, we're always um, going to say that. However, your question about it is radicalized and all, I am not so sure. Um, uh, this is not thing whether we should be taking over POK or not. I have no views on that at the moment. Um, because I think India needs to solve a lot more issues before that. But um, whether they are completely radicalized or not, um, maybe Mirpuris and all that, that's a separate issue. I don't think all of them are particularly happy with um, Pakistan, really. I do see off and on, there's very little information, by the way, that comes out from POK. And you will never, ever hear as free and fair media is in our Kashmir, go and look at their Kashmir. It is very difficult to know what they ever do. But people who have, um, uh, uh, you know, contacts there, former diplomats and all these people who have come out there, they people are not very happy with what Pakistan has done to POK as well. So there is not a thing. So maybe, maybe we can do a Bangladesh. I don't know. I'm just saying, don't quote me on it. <laughs> uh, to, to, to use Christian uh, lingo, uh, amen to that. Okay, <laughs> so let, let's go to the next question now. Um, okay, the next question is again, uh, the article 370 and 35A was brought as per request from then leftist and centrist Kashmiri Pandit leaders as they feared Kashmir being overrun by Punjabis and people from Hindi belt. I don't know. This is a question. So I'm just reading it as it is. Your views on, in spite of having such a rich culture, why was there fear of such amongst the Kashmiri Pandit community back then since you speak with those who grew up in Kashmir during the 60s? I did not grow up in Kashmir in 60s. I was not born in 60s. Yeah, how condescending. Shame <laughs> on this person. <laughs> I know. So, um, but... As an analyst, I do read about time that 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 has come before me, and that I um, analyze on time that will come after me. Um, so you have to understand that elite of any community is always different. Their aspirations and what they do is always different from the rest of the community. So it is no different with Kashmiri Pandit elite as well. Uh, there is there was Lutyens elite that ran um, Kashmir, I mean India for so long. Were they not part of us? Of course they were part of us, but their aspirations were different. Where they wanted to take the country was different. Um, so um, yes, the elite at that time, uh, a few elites. And um, you also forget that these were not just elites in Kashmir. They were also elites who were part of uh, Indira Gandhi's kitchen cabinet at one point. Um, some very prominent Kashmiri pundits. They had different aspirations. What is speaking for every single um, Kashmiri pundit? 
No, they were not. And they were never elected members. First of all, you have to understand that nobody had elected them. So they were not representing anybody. What they were doing was representing themselves. And they had their own um, um, views and notions and um, what have you. Uh, but they were never a representative of the entire um, community. Also, you have to understand that Janasang, despite Congress being a very important thing there, Jansang was also a very important, um, had made inroads in Kashmir. So that, 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 uh, that strand of thought also existed. And uh, never forget, um, uh, Sham Prasad Mukherjee died for Kashmir. Exactly. So, uh, so that strand also existed. So do Kashmiri Pandits of today, feel more um, about with um, more kinship with Dr. Shama Prasad Mukherjee or these few elites that you talk about. No, they feel more kinship with uh, Dr. Shama Prasad Mukherjee. Fair so enough. Okay. Understand. Yeah, this is a, a very important question. And I think often people don't talk about it. How does one deconflict the JNK economy? Because honestly, I believe if a lot of things are downstream from economics. And this, the, the economy, this, the economic state of Jammu and Kashmir, whether people like it or not, is in shambles. Absolutely. What is the industry in JNK? Except tourism, nothing else. Yaar, my cousin Jammu in Jammu. My family is in immediate family in Jammu. Their business in Kashmir is in Kashmir. Yeah. So the industry really is terrorism. We've not been able to do much in Kashmir right now. And that is one of the things that uh, this present government wants to do. Um, they, they have been asking for um, you know, investments. They want to bring investment in, um, um, in the valley and in Jammu. We are hoping big ticket businessmen can come in. But for that, we need to have uh, some... Um, you know, um, as you say that um, everything is downstream from economy, but for a good economic thing, you also need everything is downstream from, from politics as well. Because unless politics sort of, um, I'm not talking about the terrorism part of it, just the politics of it. Unless that settles down, we're not going to be able to see that. Um, so I, I think that we need to have the um, electoral democracy restored. After that, when people go to elections and everything, and then they will have to tell people what they have done, uh, there will be interest in bringing, um, uh, you know, industry to Kashmir. But as of now, it's totally in shambles. It is totally dependent on, um, uh, you know, uh, center and um, Okay, one viewer has asked this question. Yeah, last question is interesting. So, what do you make of AAP? Do you see AAP making inroads in, uh, you know, in Kashmir more than Ikjat Jammu? Do you think AAP might gain more? And then, in that sense, they might be also a spoiler for the opposition or other opposition parties. You know, Aap was making some inroads in Kashmir. I mean, not in Kashmir, in Jammu. Aap had started making some inroads in Jammu. And I was hearing these things that, you know, Aap is having some um, 
um, talk and you know I saw big posters of Arvind Kejriwal in um, Jammu at one point and I was like what's going on and they were trying to make inroads. See AAP is going everywhere where Congress is in a precarious position because they want to get the Congress's foot. They are not running for, like in Gujarat also, they are not running for um, government. They know that. They are trying to get the Congress's spot or the vote share of the Congress. In uh, Gujarat, they are trying to do that. In um, Jammu also, they were trying to get Congress ka khasa vote share hua karta tha before um, Congress completely dissolved now in Jammu and Kashmir and they went with Azad. Uh, so they're trying to get they were trying to get that vote share that was erstwhile with congress but now with azad's entry that vote share is going to move with azad because those people know azad well and azad is also the son of the soil so to speak um aap does not have uh, that kind of um, you know uh, mind share in they don't have any local leaders so to speak so i don't think i think aap uh, more than anybody azad's entry has uh delta death blow to um up in uh you know in jammu right now so i don't think up will survive after that they will try they will try to come later but as of now for the present election i don't see i would have seen up as a um uh, you know a stakeholder but not anymore with azad's entry that has that has that has, that has been taken care of fair enough fair enough so before we wrap up sunanda any any last words that you want to say before we wrap things up today no thank you so much for inviting me kushal it's always wonderful to talk to you because we go into this deep dive and um we are able to talk about things that um normally people shy away from so it's always wonderful to be um, attacking the elephant in the room thanks you know thanks for coming it's always a pleasure to talk to you so guys we'll wrap today's discussion up once again what i'll do is i'll ask sunanda to give me that book list yeah. maybe wo book list leke comments जो होंगे अपने ये YouTube के वीडियो के नीचे ही मैं कमेंट्स में बुक लिस्ट डाल दूंगा सो ऑल ऑफ यू वांट टू गो एंड एक्सेस दैट यू कैन गो एंड रीड इट आई एड द कमेंट ओवर देयर इट सेल्फ आई ट्राई टू पिन द कमेंट सो इट विल बिकम द फर्स्ट कमेंट एवरी टाइम यू कम एंड वॉच दिस वीडियो ओवर हियर एंड एज ऑलवेज गो एंड फॉलो सुनंदर ऑन ट्विटर इन द डिस्क्रिप्शन ऑफ द पॉडकास्ट यूल सी हर ट्विटर हैंडल एंड वो क्या बोलते हैं उसको मक रैक या क्या बोलते हैं जिसको सारे आर्टिकल रैक आते हैं so i've added that too in the description too and as far as i'm concerned please subscribe to the charvak podcast youtube channel like this video you can also support me on spotify and itunes become a member on patreon youtube buy the merch donations on upi i will see you guys next time until then take care bye bye